I want you to imagine that you're on a weekend getaway to D.C. Now notice I said getaway. You're not working overtime. This is an actual vacation. This is a getaway to D.C. And you're going down Pennsylvania Avenue, and you know what Pennsylvania Avenue looks like. You have all the history surrounding you. You're taking in all the sights. And you hear the sound above all the noise and all the traffic. And you start scanning the area, trying to see where this is coming from. And then you see where that sound is coming from. There is a baby lying in the middle of Pennsylvania Avenue, no one helping. And you're looking around, trying to see if anybody's going to do anything about it. No one seems to be moving an inch. And you see this police officer walking towards you, and there's no crosswalk where the baby is. And you're presented with this choice. Do you, one, obey the jaywalking law to avoid getting a ticket from that police officer, or do you jump into the middle of the road and try to save that baby's life? Well, you follow the jaywalking law, right? No, obviously not, (laughs) right? You are going to do anything you can to jump into the middle of that road. If I can keep my mic on this morning. I'm sorry, tech team. You guys are doing awesome. Um, You're going to do everything you can to jump into the middle of that road, maybe even giving up your own life to save that child, right? Because you know what God's talked about when it comes to life. You know how much he values kids. You know how he has value in every single person on this earth, the love he has for everyone. So it's a no-brainer. And yet sadly, as crazy as it might sound, we don't get that question right a lot of times in our lives, do we? No, we start talking about what authentic Christianity is, when we start talking about it really means to be a good Christian, how easy it is to kind of set up our own standards for what that should look like, right? We don't look at what God's word says about what being a Christian is all about. We kind of make up our own framework. And all this, it's not a real authenticity. It's not a heart that truly is beating after Jesus' heart but a heart that's been dirtied by the influences of sin outside of us and within us. Is your heart clean? See, Jesus asks that question so often in so many different ways throughout his ministry. I mean, just think about where we've seen Jesus the last few weeks, from feeding 5,000 plus people to healing countless people to walking on water. We've been with them every step of this incredible journey. It seems like, In the text before us this morning, he finally has a chance to just relax, take a long-deserved break, but that break is a very short-lived one. So he and his disciples, they're sitting down, they're digging into lunch when this group of Pharisees and the leaders of the church at that time show up, and they have one thing on their mind, one accusation that they just want to press toward Jesus. So here they are, again, they're coming all the way from Jerusalem. And they must have heard along the way all these cries of joy, right? The, I was healed by Jesus' cry, or the, is he a prophet, whisper. These sounds were everywhere. But these sounds weren't things that made them excited. Instead, it made them jealous, stoking the flames of jealousy in their hearts. They wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And it's these sinister intentions that are on their hearts that they come to Jesus and they ask him this question. Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? Instead of eating their food with defiled hands. See, I don't know about you, but I would, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, are you serious? Out of all the things you're noticing right now, you're looking at the specks of dirt on my disciples' hands. And you're not asking me about all the things that I've done, all the incredible things God is doing. No, they're worried about little particles of dirt. 
on the disciples' hands. Now, for them, this was a huge breach in etiquette. Mark explains that. You know, the Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing. So unless you washed your hand from the tip of your finger down to your elbow or you had a special basin poured over your hand, it wasn't totally washed. But here's the problem with all of that, is you could page through every page of this Bible and you will not find a single law that God gave about hand washing. Not that hand washing isn't a good thing, because we know that it is, but the Pharisees were tunnel visioned on what humans came up with instead of what God said is the right standard of living. They were so focused on trying to find their authentic faith, not in what God had told them, not in the promises of Scripture, but in themselves, a self-led life instead of a God-led life. I mean, just think about this for a second. These Pharisees walked 75 miles with one goal, to trip Jesus up, to soil his reputation, to finally be done with this backcountry teacher from Nazareth. I mean, just think about that. 75 miles, how many steps on your Fitbit would that be? That's as long as they went because they just couldn't stand Jesus that much. And so they come up to Jesus and they ask him this question about his disciples not washing their hands. When in reality, this is an attack against Jesus, right? And Jesus sees right through it. He says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human tradition. See, the Pharisees' dirty hearts had led to dirty lives of living simply for self-promotion. You know, Matthew tells us in his gospel the same exact account that they were just livid when Jesus said this. I mean, so offended. I mean, how could Jesus say that to them? Everyone looked at them as the spiritual leaders of Israel. If anybody was truly close to God, it had to be them. It had to be the Pharisees, but Jesus' description of them was spot on. He calls them hypocrites. That's the same word that people used back then to describe an actor, somebody who put on a mask for a performance or a costume. These Pharisees were doing just that. They were putting on this mask, this costume of godliness, of cleanliness, but within their hearts, there's nothing but corrosion and mold. I've had the chance, I'm sure you all have too, to talk to people who aren't Christians or maybe used to be and later turned away from the faith. And one of the things I hear a lot, maybe you have too, is, oh, I I don't go to church because everyone there is just a bunch of hypocrites. No, they say one thing on Sunday, they do another thing on Monday. Are they right? Have you and I been hypocrites? Have we been Pharisees lately? To be honest with you, exhibit A is right here, right in front of you. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've thought to myself, hey, you read the Bible, you have devotions, you come to church. I mean, God, God must love you. Look at all you're doing for him. Look at how much you care about him. Maybe for you it's at work and you see that coworker that, you know, has a totally different lifestyle than you. Instead of approaching them, befriending them, giving them the love of Jesus that whether they know it or not, they need You disassociate from them thinking, well, I'm a pristine Christian. I can't really be associating with somebody just like that. Or as a parent or just being married and you're on whatever social media feed you're looking at and you see what other people are doing, their political thoughts, the way they look at marriage, they look at family and you think, oh, I don't think like that. I mean, clearly I'm a step above when it comes to being closer to God than they are. Just notice where the focus is in all those things. 
not me, myself, and I. It's this fake version of Christianity that makes us play the comparison game, thinking that if we can just make ourselves feel like we're good Christians, and maybe we actually will be in God's eyes, that's not how it works, and you and I know that. Being an authentically true Christian comes when we listen to God's word and we follow it. But that traitor within wants nothing more than for us to turn inward and put it on ourselves to figure out what being a good Christian is all about. But fortunately for you and me, and fortunately for those Pharisees way back when, 2,000 years ago, Jesus and his love doesn't leave us in this self-imposed delusion. No, he lovingly guides us back to where we truly find authentic Christianity, where we truly find what being a Christian is all about. And he does this in a very interesting way. He does this by giving us a warning. I mean, look at what he says here. He calls the whole crowd to him and he says, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. See, just like the Pharisees, you and I get this upside down. And we think that we can produce something within us that will make us pleasing to God, that will make us worthy of God's love, when in reality, that can't happen. In fact, when we keep playing this game within of this comparing us versus others, me versus you, our standards, because we are sinners and our consciences aren't perfect, those standards begin to diminish. And that's the kind of life that Jesus is talking about here. This sexual morality and theft and murder and adultery and greed and malice and deceit and lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. You get the picture. If we start thinking that it's on us to figure this out, we'll start giving in a little bit here. We'll find a loophole here. And eventually we'll find ourselves nowhere near the kind of life that God has in mind for you and me. A life that brings us closer to him. We find ourselves living that hypocritical life. We find ourselves listening to that traitor, that sinful nature, instead of the new person within that wants nothing more than to follow Jesus step for step, try to find an escape from our guilt and our shame. When we look in our hearts, we can't find an answer. So what do we do? In this matter of heart, where do we go? As we look at our hearts that seem beyond cleaning, where can we find hope? Look where Jesus turns our eyes this morning. Look where you turn the eyes of those Pharisees because of his love for them and his love for you. He turns it right here. This incredible book, we find everything that we're not. We find all the love that God has for us. Because here, yes, it does say we have dirty hearts, it's true. By nature, we can't do anything to make them clean. But you know what else this says about you? It says this. Believers have been made white in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has deep cleaned your heart. When you see that cross and you come into church every morning, you can think of that cross on the hill outside the city where blood was shed, the only perfect cleaning solution to take away every last bit of guilt and shame that you feel, every last sin that we have of thinking we can make it through life on our own. As we fall to our knees and we realize just how much We look at life through the way we want it to be instead of the way God has in mind for it to be. He lifts us back up. He scrubs us clean. I mean, just think about how radically different God is. Think about the God in the upper room 
who took the lowest task of any slave in Israelite culture. And he throws his towel around his waist and he just washes away the dirtiest part of those disciples, their feet. Think about what that means for you. Those sins that you can think of right now that you, if anybody found out about them, it would change how they look at you and you're, you're worried about this and you're shamed and you, you have this guilt. You know what? Jesus has scrubbed it all away. He went to the cross for you. He never stopped scrubbing until your heart was as clean as you can ever imagine. But your heart was so clean, it was like a mirror reflecting his love, reflecting who he is. It's the kind of love that gives you nothing but joy when you realize that God the Father looks at you and he doesn't see the dirt of sin. He sees a perfect child. A smile that he has for you of just total pride in who you are. And what baptism has done for you, the identity that is truly, authentically you. You see, in this battle for authenticity, Jesus won it. He won that war and he gave you a true, authentic, real love. He has deep cleaned your heart and there's nothing that can put dirt on you. No one who can touch that heart. You are clean in God's eyes. And because of that joy, your heart is ready for so much more. Your heart is ready for a life that couldn't be more fulfilling. I mean, just look at the kind of love. Look at what your heart has in store when you know who you are in Jesus. You have love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, in Moses in our Deuteronomy reading, that is what he was talking about when he said, you will truly live when you follow God's command. You will live life to the full when you know it's in the Bible and you long to follow it with every ounce of your being. That's what Paul was talking about when he said in Romans that the one who believes in Jesus will never be put to shame. Because who you are in Jesus, following the Bible, following God's standards for life, it's not a burden for you anymore. It's just a natural reaction to who you really are. The new person in Christ wants nothing more than to follow Jesus step for step because we know and we follow how God has outlined life in his word. You're going to find that fulfillment you're looking for. You're going to find that purpose you're longing to find, you're going to find answers that you thought would never be found. When you follow Jesus, you see things you never saw before. You see opportunities before you to show his love. And even if the world doesn't get why you live the way you do, even if they look at you with this kind of weird look on their face, that's exactly where you want to be. You joyfully serve Jesus because you know what? People will notice that. That opens the door to this incredible moment where you get to tell them why you live the way you do. And it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. And the hearts that he has given us that are clean and pure and ready to serve God in whatever way he has in mind for us. See, about 500 years ago, there was another Christian like you and me. Who too was a sinner by nature, but who also had his heart washed in the blood of the Lamb. And he stood before the superpowers of the world at that time, both in the state and in the church. Church leaders who had foregone, they'd gotten rid of a lot of the things that God's word talks about and instead were focused on human traditions and things that they came up with to show what a true Christian looks like. And they made him stand before them. And they said he needed to take back everything he had ever written against them, everything he had ever written about the Bible. Martin Luther said this. He said, my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything 
For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God, help me. Let your heart be captive to the word of God. Fight this battle for authenticity, knowing that your Savior has won the war. Let your hearts continue to shine wherever God has you to be. Because the people around you, they have hearts muddied by sin. When they see you, when they see the love of your Savior reflecting off of those purely, perfectly clean hearts, they'll see God's heart. There's no better life. There's no more perfect, true, authentic life than that. Amen. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who has called you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.